All right, you are listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. I have a poem for you, Devin, to start off this episode. (laughs) Oh, hot damn. In the land of the pale blue snow, where it's 99 below, and the polar bears are dancing on the plain in the shadow of the pole, oh, my heart, my life, my soul, I will meet thee when the ice worms nest again. The fuck are ice worms? That's what this episode is about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for fixating on that and not the polar bear dancing part. No, fuck the polar bear. I know what they do. What the fuck are ice worms? Gross. Ice worms are a real critter. Really? They, yes, they are a real thing. I wish we'd never done Pacific Tree Octopus the way we did, because now every time I feel like I need to clarify, no, this is a 100% real thing. <laughs> we, you have to introduce people to the concept of safety. Yes. <laughs> yeah, when you know somebody for a long time, like Devin and I have known each other, sometimes you need a safe word just to tell whether you're still messing with each other or not. Yeah. And so that's when, when we came up with safety. You yeah. just say safety. I really am telling you this. Safety, Devin. Ice worms are real. God. All right. Okay. So they're related to the common earthworm. Okay. But they live on glacier ice in Washington, Alaska, British Columbia, and Oregon. They don't live anyplace else in the world. What? And they don't dig through dirt. They dig through the ice. <laughs> No! <laughs> yes, they're very, very little. They okay. are about a centimeter long. Ugh. So they're just like little tiny little thread guys. No, that they're makes dark it brown worse. or black. Oh, it's worse. Yeah. It makes yeah. it worse. At they're least, squiggly. Yeah, like the, those are like little, little maggoty things. I don't like them. I mean, keep talking, but I don't think I like them. All right. Noted. Noted. I'm going to put you down for a no thanks on okay. that shipment of ice worms I was going to send you. Uh, <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> okay, so let me try this, and if it doesn't work, I'll cut it. Mesencatrea solifugus is their scientific name for the Alaskan glacier ice worm. And what uh-huh. it means is they're a kind of worm that runs away from the sun. Solifugus. <laughs> um, they do. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> they're vampires. They're cold vampires. Yes, they they're run cold away vampires. from the sun. That's they don't dumb. like it. And the reason is if their bodies get above freezing, they die. Oh, thank God. If you hold one in your hand and warm it up a couple degrees, its body melts. Ugh! Yeah, it just falls apart. Ugh! Like the like the bad senator in X-Men. Yes, just I hate them so much. (laughs) This is my revenge on you for the Palouse Earthworm episode. Oh, you were fine with that. That guy was, that was just a snake and you like snakes. That was totally fine. 100% different. No, these are. snake. It is too. It is the insect version, the bug version of a snake. Biblical grasp of biology are you working with here? Were everybody... they tempted by a worm? W Y R M. Yeah, a dragon with hind legs, wings, and no front limbs. Duh. A worm. Yeah. A worm. You know. Yeah. Cool. Uh, whatever. Okay. Keep talking about your gross bugs. Thanks. I will. Mm-hmm. So, on a single glacier, there can be over seven billion worms living on it because <laughs> they're so off. little. Yeah. I hate it. They outnumber us 
by a lot. But they're very <gasps> small and very fragile. So we have that going for we us. We have the advantage, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> a strike Do you now. feel better? I feel so much better. I just, I just have to turn on my heater in my car and I win. Pretty much. You're just body heat. I mean, show me another animal besides the ones that live off humans that has the range that humans have. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. We can handle heat. We can handle cold. We can handle damp. We can handle dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll bitch about it a lot, but we can handle this. Well, we Whereas can- these guys, whenever the if the daytime comes around, they burrow down into the glacier. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know how they do it. We know they have antifreeze proteins in their body so that they <laughs> don't just freeze up. But we don't know if they're burrowing through little tiny cracks in the ice or if they're actually making little tunnels by excreting some kind of antifreeze thing. Oh, uh, that's kind of cool. I figured out why you're freaking out so much. You're thinking about that episode from the first season of X-Files. Remember that? With no. the worms and the ice and, like, the research station and they put the worms in the ears? Oh! Oh! No! Get out of here with that! No, yeah. I had forgotten that and I'm gonna forget it again. Fuck that! Were, were you at, like, the Stupid. sleepover in seventh grade or so when we watched that and then everybody, like, went to sleep and then would get up in the middle of the night and stick our fingers in each other's ears? No, I was not at that So one thing that's not going to make you like these worms better is we don't know how they figure out how to go toward the light because they don't have eyes. Uh. Ugh. Ugh. They're like a monster from Pan's Labyrinth before he puts them in his hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just wiggling based on, I don't know if they feel the temperature or they sense it somehow that we don't know. Uh, The devil calls to them and says writhe. Yes, he does. He's this way, now that way. This mm-hmm. way, now that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are, they were discovered in 1887, officially, although I'm sure people who lived on and around glaciers before them were like, what are these little threads all over the place? Oh, Worms, yeah. cool. Not edible. Got it. Anyway. <laughs> people have been squishing those fuckers as long as there have been people. I tell you what, those are awful. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty, they're pretty harmless. They just eat algae. The algae that grows on the glaciers. I mean, that's fine for them. I'm I'm glad that they've got a purpose. I still would squish every last one of them. I would take a rolling pin, like a giant steamroller, and I would go over every single glacier I could find. <laughs> I would just squish them all if I could. I don't think they need to live. They gross me out. I don't know what this is. They apparently deeply gross you out. Well, have you heard of watermelon snow? Stop it. What is that? Watermelon snow is a thing where there's this um, algae that has a lot of um, carotenoid pigment, like which mm-hmm. makes carrots orange. Mm-hmm. But what happens is it can grow on the uh, it can grow on ice, and so in some areas you'll walk across. And when they've been growing all over the snow, you won't see them. But when the snow pack kind of melts down, they'll concentrate. So the snow actually looks pink or red. That's kind of pretty. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And it can look really terrifying, too, because it can, like, streak the (laughs) snow like blood. (laughs) That's where those polar bears in that poem come in. You realize (laughs) some fucker was here. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's what they like to eat. They're just little wormies who come up and eat the algae and then they go down. All right. They're just little tiny, but because they're so 
strange, scientists are really interested in them. Okay. Including NASA. Because here's the logic that they had. Here's a quote. If we're interested in looking for life on ice in shrouded worlds, then understanding how life on Earth has evolved and adapted to living under those conditions is an important thing for NASA to know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It does to me. Yeah. That you're like, okay, well, could life be on Mars in the ice? Well, how do we have life here on right. ice? Right. Yeah. So good news, Devin. There could be gross worms on multiple planets. Ugh, why? Why? <laughs> no. I don't I don't like the worms on this planet. You don't like the worms? I like the normal worms. I don't like these gross little hookworms. They just I there's something about the way I'm envisioning them that just makes me think of all these tiny little, you know, like commas just like scooting all around the ice. They're just like little little fucking sprinkles they're long yeah, sprinkles yeah. and they just like they they wiggle back and forth or they kind of jackknife themselves just everywhere and they, i don't like it i it's gross to me it's really disturbing it's like hair maybe that's what it is it's reminding me of hair yeah. and you know how i feel about hair once it's off the human head yes i i do know how you feel about that do you think they're gonna infect you or um i know because i don't like i don't mind they're not going to get in me. I don't have any holes big enough that they could get in that I don't protect pretty well. I think that they're... <laughs> I think that they're... I'm not made of ice. They're not going to burrow into me. I don't care if they put their little antifreeze mouth on me with their little... Yeah, no, they, they can't even spits. touch you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they... Right? Because I would, I would melt them. I would kill them. I just... There's something about seeing them, you know, like fucking inching their way across the ice that I'm just like, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> They're gross. Why do you like them? I don't know that I love them. I just am not that weirded out as you are. You don't like <laughs> I'm kind fish. of impressed that they live in their little world just doing their thing. Yeah, okay, you could say the same thing about a mola mola or a fish that has its eyes on the same side of its head, but those get you damn riled up. That's true, because I have to look at them and how poorly they're put together. Okay, these worms I have to look at in my mind's eye, and right now they're really poorly put together. Liz, they eat flavorless snow cones, and they just <laughs> boomerang across the ice. That's they dumb. Do. That's Billions poor of design. Them. Billions of them. It's like a rave for sprinkles. Perpetual snow cone sprinkle rave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Selena's yeah. calling dibs on that as her next band name right now. <laughs> I like it. Also, watermelon snow, doesn't that sound like like a K-pop lyric that went astray? Oh, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this whole thing does. Tell me you can't imagine like 20 girls singing in the land of the pale blue snow and the polar bears are dancing on the yes, plane. That's <laughs> true. Where did you find this poem? Oh, I'm going to tell you about the poem, but let me finish oh. telling you about the science and the oh. festival. So oh, what? Okay, fine. <laughs> so there's also scientists trying to figure out how they keep their little bodies intact and mobile in the ice. Because mm. if we can figure it out, we might be able to use that to keep organs whole for transplants. Because oh. we need to be able to keep them stable and not have the tissues break down. But wouldn't it be cool if we could store them like put them in cold storage long term and not have you know freezer burn or whatever happens. Okay. I don't really know. Well so the, 
these worms could make our lives a lot better. Yeah, by dying. Because I think to, you know, explore them more, we have to kill them. And I'm, I'm fine with that kind of animal testing. Well, good news, Devin. Global warming is really eating up their habitat, so. <laughs> that makes me sad. I'm sorry, little guys. Oh. Now, now I kind of have empathy for them. It's fine when I'm killing them, but I don't like it when greenhouse gases are killing them. All right. So there's a town called Cordova, which is a town in Alaska you can only get to by boat or plane. It's one of those. Oh, cool. And they host, every year in February, the annual Cordova Iceworm Festival. (laughs) Isn't that the best? They have a whole weekend with events. They have a variety show. They have survival suit races where you race down the dock and then you jump into your gear and dive into the the icy water. (laughs) They have a blessing of the fleet. They okay. sell shaving permits, which is what I had to stop and look up. So basically, yeah. it's kind of like a fundraiser thing where if you've got a beard, you'll grow a beard for it. And then you pay them some money so that you can get a permit to officially shave it off. <laughs> Just a cute thing. <laughs> That's uh, sweet. They have a food fair. They have a basketball tournament, arts and crafts show, photo show, an ice worm tail hunt. I don't know what that is. Yeah. An ice cream feed in February in Alaska. <laughs> My kind of people. Yeah. And they have a parade where there's a 50-foot iceworm replica, kind of like one of those Chinese New Year dragons. Stop. That they parade down the street. Stop. And at the end, they crown Miss Iceworm. (laughs) That's the only title I ever want. Yes. I hate it. I don't know how you compete for Miss Iceworm, if it's like a traditional thing. Or you have to wear, like, a bikini in February in Alaska. Or if you have to, like, lie down and eat snow. Yeah. Maybe you have to do do the worm. The talent portion is that dance. I'm really good at that dance, by the way. Are you really? I'll have Jason film it and we'll... No, I'm terrible at it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That didn't hold up to much scrutiny. (laughs) (laughs) I can't lie to you, Blodgett. (laughs) I can call you by the wrong name, but I can't lie to you. (laughs) Very enjoyable. Oh, man. All right. So there's an English poet who gave them a couple poems. And he lived in Canada for seven years, right around the turn of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And it's very unclear. He's the one who wrote the poem that we opened with, obviously. Yeah. It's very unclear if he knew what ice worms actually were or somebody just told him some BS about there being worms in the ice and he (laughs) took off with it because he likes to claim that they get really big, like six inches long or so. I mean, for a guy that's supposed to be a centimeter, that is pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty hardy. And he also, he did say, though, that they nest. And this is a thing that ice worms actually do, where they'll all, they don't build nests, but they'll they'll group all together, like, dozens of them Uh, into a little ball. uh, Ugh. No. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's, that's worse. That's Mm -hmm. worse. Now you got this little marble that's made up of a whole bunch of compressed little spaghettis. Fuck that. Yeah, a little gross spaghetti marble. Um, yeah. But so right. he, he wrote this poem called The Ballad of the Iceworm Cocktail, which is where we're getting our <laughs> next our next Ouija Broads cocktail thing. So we've got yeah. the star jelly. 
We've got the Tacoma screw. Yes. And now we've got the ice worm cocktail, which I think is going to have to have like a little bit of vanilla bean in it or something to be the worm. What about, okay, and then tequila? Could be. I don't know how well those would go together. I'll have to experiment. (laughs) Worms go well with nothing, Liz, so (laughs) good luck. You'll have to experiment. Oh my God. Experiment on the air. (laughs) (laughs) That's our next seance right there. That's our next seance. It's so good. Oh, you want another Han mansion where it's obvious that I'm just lying on the floor talking into the microphone? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> I thought we decided that was every episode from now on. <laughs> yes. All right. So to Dawson Town came Percy Brown from London on the Thames. A pane of glass was in his eye and stockings on his stems. It goes on for a long time. I'm not going to read you the whole thing because it's uh, really long and also uses some words that I don't like to use, much like boomlay boomlay. I will just direct people to it. It's great because they're not even talking about people. They're talking about like grass formations and the worm and they decide to just throw in racial slurs. Racism. Yeah, but the gist of the poem is Percy comes up into Canada and he is a big hunter and he's, you know, I'm going to shoot an Arctic fox. I'm going to kill a uh, Arctic hare. I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And they call him. So there's these guys in Alaska and in Canada. If you were an experienced Yukon dude, you were called a sourdough, right? <laughs> Says you. This is true. This is a a sourdough was the experienced person who'd been up there and survived it before. And in fact, they still do that in Alaska. If you go up to Alaska, they always want to know, is this your first time in Alaska? Yeah. This is a big deal. And he comes into the saloon where it's full of sourdoughs. And they call him the Great Chichaco, which is a word for somebody who's never been up here before. (laughs) Somebody who does not know what they're doing. And they convince him that a sourdough is a guy who drinks an ice worm cocktail down. And he's like, oh, ripping. (laughs) I would like to do that. My good chum? Yes. Yeah, they say, okay, let's see. Uh, They're peculiar to the mountain of blue snow. I don't know what that is. Um, Yet all as clear as you draw near for coyly peering out are hosts and hosts of tiny worms, each indigo of snout. They're not blue in the nose. I don't know what that is. Uh, And as no nourishment they find to keep themselves alive, they masticate each other's tails till just the tough survive. Yeah, that's (laughs) his story. But it's one of those unreliable narrator things where you're like, so the the lying guy within the poem that was written by somebody who also didn't know what ice worms were about. Yeah, shit from Shinola. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they call on the barman and they're like, okay, we're going to get you an ice worm cocktail. And they're like, oh, bring out the pickled ones from last spring. And he's like, I don't have any, but I do have some really big ones that we pickled to show the science guys. And they're like, oh yeah. God. Then deeply in a drawer he sought, and there he found a jar, the which with due and proper pride he put upon the bar, and in it wreathed in queasy rings or rolled into a ball, a score of gray and greasy things were drowned in alcohol. <laughs> so he sticks a fork in uh, and made, and 
<laughs> and Percy's like, you're joking. Uh, you'd never swallow that. So they make four of the celestial cocktails. And mm. the major's like, no, you're bluffing. You're bluffing. So they all lift up the glass. He dashes his cocktail down. <laughs> into a starry cocktail with a look of woe he peered, and its ice room too is thinking, mostly incontinently leered. <laughs> so he drinks it, and they're like, Chichaco, Major Brown, reveal that you're a sourdough stuff and drink your cocktail down. So he closes his eyes, swallows it, and they say, hooray for sourdough brown! And he's all pallid and sweaty, and he's like, I feel I must be going now. And they try to get him to stay, and he just, like, staggers out the door to go throw up presumably. Oh, yeah! But here's, yeah. here's the punchline. For that ice worm, so they told him, of such formidable size, was a stick of stained spaghetti with two red ink spots for eyes. Boom. Yeah, and I'm not putting spaghetti Bye. in a cocktail, but uh, I like... I think this probably happened. This seems real to me. <laughs> that does seem like something that drunk Alaskan dudes would get up to. Well, we Doesn't can just, it? Yeah, we can put like a sour gummy worm or something in mm, your cocktail. Okay. Um, I kind of like where this is going. Yeah, I kind of make you know. it a... Uh, I think it'd have to be a vodka drink then and cut okay. it with a little acidity. But yeah, I can see this working. All right. Well, this you, is going to be great for the you get kick-ass party we're going to throw at some point or maybe oh, just yeah. print a cocktail book or at least a cocktail sheet. At least a cocktail sheet is right. Yeah. Um, I never wanted to be a bartender, but I always like the idea of coming up with stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You get the fun part, the creative part with none of the bar flies. Yes. <laughs> don't have to eat any of those bar flies. No, you don't have to eat any of Okay, so let's talk about this. So the guy that wrote the poem, first of uh -huh. all, is confused and misrepresenting what, you know, six inches is. And then yes. Percy, <laughs> he wouldn't be the first. Wouldn't be the first man, right? <laughs> and then Percy talks about these things dying from eating ass. No, that's what the, the sourdoughs are telling him. They're like, these are these evil worms, and they're yeah. so tough that they don't eat anything except each other. Yeah. Which yeah. is not how science works. No, it's not. But all I'm saying is that this sounds like every Victorian poet of the day, which is super oversexed. Really. <laughs> and he's talking oh, about ass eating and about six inches, my friend. <laughs> And you gotta just swallow it. Just close your eyes and swallow. Just yep. Think of England, you know. <laughs> Drink it down. Gross, gross. Oh, yeah, that's a. It was a homosocial society. <laughs> Put it that way. It reminds me actually of um, the cremation of Sam McGee. I don't Did know you that. You didn't have to read. Oh, okay. I just looked it up. It's by the same guy. Oh my god, well done. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights. Ah, you're on to it. Ah! But the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge I cremated Sam McGee. <laughs> You've I, never heard this? I bum-rushed Sam McGee. <laughs> Talk about a queer night, that's what he's talking about. No, I haven't heard of this, but well done figuring out, you know, that that pretty basic rhyming scheme was the same dude. Yeah, well, it reminds me of, um, shoot, what was the, 
the basically the accidental poetry you made when you were talking about the Hasita head lighthouse, where it's like da 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 da. I had goes on like that. I had a buddy text me yesterday and said I can never change my Instagram profile name because when I like something of hers, it's an unintentional rhyme. It says most ghost liked your post. Yes, never change that. Yeah, that's really cute. Didn't mean to. We'll keep it. That's really good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's really all I have to tell you about the ice worms. Would you like me to fill in a little time by telling you our listener story that we got? Yeah. So this was a listener story that came in a little bit after our last episode. And I wanted to throw it in right now so we didn't have to wait that long. And I'll do my best with the Australian terms because this is as from Johnny Rex. And he says this is a little outside your usual area, but I hope you'll enjoy and we definitely will. I love the spooky stories. If you are a listener of Ouija Broads, it doesn't matter if what happened to you happened in our area that we cover. We still want to hear it. I love it. Uh, Hi, Liz and Devin. First of all, I would like to say thank you for making a podcast. I find them really interesting, informative, and entertaining. Well, thank you for listening, Johnny. I like it. Yeah. I have a ghost story for you, which didn't happen in your usual area, but I hope you'll enjoy. It happened to me back in March of 2014 when I was in Outback Australia on an organized tour of Uluru and Katajuta, more commonly known as Ayers Rock in the Olgas. Oh, man. Yes. Also, hey, really cool of you to use the Aboriginal native names first of Port Ayers Rock. Well done. Before I continue, I need to say a little bit about the people I was with before I carry on with the story. We were all in our late 20s or early 30s, guys, girls, and this will be important later on, predominantly from European countries and three people from Canada. Okay. On the first night of the two-night, three-day trip, which sounds really cool, by the way, like, I, this sounds really interesting. I'm terrified of the outback, but fascinated. <laughs> Our guide, who was really fun, informative, and all-around nice guy, said to five of us out of the 20 or so strong group that there was a special place to camp in the area where we were spending our first night. Now, Johnny, in the future, this means he's going to murder you. <laughs> All he said was that it is special, and then he'd elaborate on the matter in the morning if any of us wanted to. This is getting more sinister all the time. <laughs> we know he lived because he emailed us this. So the five of us go a little way down this path away from the main camp and set up our own little camp. So with five, I'd be less worried. Not not worried, but yeah. We just had swag bags, which are like a mattress with a simple sheet thing, and sleeping bags, no tents, so we were open to the elements and the critters. This being late summer in Australia, the nighttime temperature didn't drop much lower than 25 to 30 degrees Celsius. Sorry, I don't know Fahrenheit. Uh... That's uh, like 80 to 90 degrees because you double it and you add 30. Dang, Devin, you're good. (laughs) I'm impressed. Uh, As I said, I don't know if I was primed by what our guide had said, but I woke up about 2 or 3 a.m. to the sound of two men talking a little way up the path that we had walked earlier. The two voices were getting closer and getting easier to hear. I soon realized that they weren't talking English, which was odd as there were no two people from the same non-English speaking country in our group, which was the only group in the area. The two men then, I assumed only two at the time as I heard two distinct voices, drew level with our little group but on the other side of the clearing about 10 meters away and sounded like they were going to settle down for the night. I then went back to sleep, nerves of steel, okay, 
and woke up again a few hours later as the sun rose. Although I do remember as a kid and then even as an adult, when I think I hear something, my reaction is not to get up and say, who the fuck is in my house? I sometimes just freeze. Like, I'm just going to lie here and wait for more information. And then I fall back to sleep. I then went back to sleep and woke up again a few hours later as the sun rose. I looked over to where I had heard the voices settle down earlier and couldn't see anyone. Intrigued, I put my boots on, having slept in my shorts, and walked over to where I had heard the voices and was unable to see a yellow evidence of anyone having been there. I'm going to think this is an autocorrect thing. I'm going to guess any evidence. As I walked back to the main camp, having packed up my swag and sleeping bags, I heard our guide say to one of the others who'd slept in the special area if she'd seen or heard anything during the night. She replied no, but that I had. I then told him what I had heard. By the time I finished, his eyes were wide with what appeared to be shock. He then told me that two aboriginal men had died on the spot I heard the two voices coming from about a hundred years before and were apparently haunting the area. He said apparently because he'd been told this about two months earlier and had been suggesting people sleep there to see if they heard anything, as he was skeptical. <laughs> Such a dick move. <laughs> I mean, effective, but that's so mean. Science, asshole. But he wouldn't tell anyone why he was suggesting that spot unless anything happened to him. I mean, that's pretty, you know, he's not like telling the whole ghost story and putting it all in your mind. He's like, just try it. See if you hear anything. Uh, apparently, I was the only one who had seen or heard anything out of about half a dozen groups he'd led. Again, I don't know if him calling the spot special the night before had primed me, or if I had dreamt the whole experience, but I like to believe that I experienced the ghosts of the two men who died there returning to the spot where they died to watch over those of us who were visiting the area. I spent the rest of the trip feeling that these two men were with me, and by extension the rest of the group, watching over us, making sure we were safe. I know people may think I was dreaming, but I believe that this was a real event that happened to me, and I'm happy that it did, as these two men didn't sound threatening or cause any harm to us while we were visiting their home. I hope you enjoyed my experience and that it made sense to you. Please stay weird, and I hope to hear plenty more of your podcasts in the future, Johnny R. Huh. My feeling of safety with this whole story would depend a lot on what the two dudes died of, though. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Did they both have heart attacks and, it, you know, they were 80 years old? Or did they both die of a serial murderer? What happened? That is a really cool experience. And I'm happy that it was so positive, too. <laughs> That's all I got, my friend. What a weird one. Okay, so let me tell you some other fun stuff that we do. We are on Patreon at Ouija Broads, and there are multiple levels that you can join at. Right now, we did meet our first goal, which is helping us pay for hosting. So thank you, guys. This is no longer putting us in the red to produce. And then we've got various goals about, you know, helping us soundproof stuff a little better, helping us upgrade equipment and get uh, paid research databases and so forth, all that kind of stuff. But there's different levels. For any patron, you get access to what we call Mel's Hole, which is basically just all of our, you get access to Mel's Hole. It sounds dirty every time and we think it's funny every time. And I generally post, let's see, so what have I posted recently? I always post our episodes, but we've also got outtakes. Um, 
We've got uh, peaks at the big list that we have. Uh, we've got the seance, which is when we talk about other stuff that's not on the main show. But usually I pull an outtake or two out of every episode. So if you really, really like the digressions and you want to hear kind of behind the scenes some of the stuff that we talk about, jump on in. We would be happy to have you uh, join us at patreon.com slash Ouijabrods. You can also always find us at Ouijabrods.podbean.com. We are on iTunes, where we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. It's easier now that they've updated the Apple Podcast app to just give us a real quick review. We would love it. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with social media. Always love doing that. We post funny stuff that we find. Some things are not an episode, but I swear the weird Northwest news, it, uh, it just comes forever. It never stops. It's everything. Idaho is turning its giant publicity potato into a vacation rental. Uh, cops broke up an eagle party at a Safeway. A self-taught rocket scientist plans to launch homemade manned rocket over California ghost town. And I just saw that on the side of the rocket, it says research flat earth. So goodness, goodness. So if you want sort of the quick takes on uh, strange Northwest stuff, that's a good place to find us is on Facebook or Twitter or on the Instagram. And other than that, we just really appreciate you joining us today, listening, sending in your stories, hanging out with us every week. And we want you to live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.